Chapter Twenty Nine of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lafonu. Chapter Twenty Nine, showing how poor Mrs. McNamara was troubled and haunted too, and opening a budget of gossip some score pages back when we were all assembled at the king's house my reader perhaps may not have missed our fat and consequential but on the whole good-natured acquaintance mrs mcnamara though now i remember he did overhear the gentle magnolia in that little colloquy in which she and aunt becky exchanged compliments say in substance that she hoped that amiable parent might be better next day she was not there she was not well of late mrs mcnamara had lost all her pluck and half her colour and some even of her fat she was like one of those portly dowagers in number nips select society of metamorphosed turnips who suddenly exhibited sympathetic symptoms of failure grew yellow flabby and wrinkled as the parent bulb withered and went out of season you would not have known her for the same woman a tall pale female dressed in black satin and a black velvet riding hood had made her two visits in a hackney coach but whether these had any connection with the melancholy change referred to i don't at this moment say i know that they had a very serious bearing upon after events affecting persons who figure in this true history whatever her grief was she could not bring herself to tell it and so her damask cheek and portly form and rollicking animal spirits continued to suffer the major found that her mind wandered at piquette toole also caught her thinking of something else in the midst of his best bits of local scandal and magnolia several times popped in upon her large mother in tears once or twice toole thought and he was right that she was on the point of making a disclosure but her heart failed her and it came to nothing the little fellow's curiosity was on fire in his philosophy there was more in everything than met the eye and he would not believe magnolia who laughed at him that she did not know all about it on this present morning poor mrs mcnamara had received a note at which she grew pale as the large pat of butter before her and she felt quite sick as she thrust the paper into her pocket and tried to smile across the breakfast-table at magnolia who was rattling away as usual and the old major who was chuckling at her impudent mischief over his buttered toast and tea why mother dear cried mag suddenly what the plague ails your pretty face did you ever see the like it's for all the world like a bad batter pudding i lay a crown now that was a bill was it a bill come now mullikins a term of endearment for mother show us the note it is too bad you poor dear old handsome bothered angel you should be fretted and tormented out of your looks and your health by them dirty shopkeepers bills when a five-pound note i'm certain sure 
would pay every mother's skin of them and change to spare and the elegant magnolia whose souclinet and norwich crepe petticoat were unpaid for darted a glance of reproach full upon the major's powdered head the top of which was cleverly presented to receive it as he swallowed in haste his cup of tea and rising suddenly for his purse had lately suffered in the service of the ladies and wanted rest tis nothing at all but that confounded egg he said raising that untasted delicacy a little towards his nose why the divil will you go on buying our eggs from that dirty old sinner paul delaney and he dropped it from its cup plump into the slop basin ah then maybe it was said poor mrs mac smiling as well as she could but i'm better no you're not mulligans interposed magnolia impatiently there's tool crossing the street will i call him up not for the world maggie darling i'd have to pay him and where's the money to come from the major did not hear and was coughing besides and recollecting that he had a word for the adjutant's ear took his sword off the peg where it hung and his cocked hat and vanished in a twinkling pay tool indeed nonsense mother and up went the window good morrow to your nightcap doctor and the top of the morning to you my pretty miss chattering meg up on your perch there responded the physician and what in the world brings you out this way at breakfast time and where are you going oh goosey goosey gander where do you wander upstairs if you let me said tool with a flourish of his hand and a gallant grin and to my lady's chamber and did you hear the news demanded miss mag the doctor glanced over his shoulder and seeing the coast clear he was by this time close under the little scarlet geranium pots that stood on the window-sill miss chatsworth eh he asked in a sly low tone oh bother her no do you remember miss anne marjorie banks that lodged in doyle's house down there near the mills last summer with her mother the fat woman with the poodle and the don't you know eh eh she wore a flowered silk tabby sack on band days said tool who had an eye and a corner in his memory for female costume a fine showy i remember well middling that's she and what of her asked tool screwing himself up as close as he could to the flower-pots come up and i'll tell you and she shut down the window and beckoned him slyly and up came tool all alive miss magnolia told her story in her usual animated way sometimes dropping her voice to a whisper and taking tool by the collar sometimes rising to a rollicking roar of laughter while the little doctor stood by his hands in his breeches pockets making a pleasant jingle with his loose change there with open mouth and staring eyes and a sort of breathless grin all over his ruddy face then came another story and more chuckling and what about that lanky long maypole gertie chatsworth the witch 
not that anyone cares tuppence if she rode on a broom to sweep the cobwebs off the moon only a body may as well know you know said miss mag preparing to listen well by jupiter they say but you mind i don't know and faith i don't believe it but they do say she's going to be married to who do you think now answered tool old colonel bly of the magazine or dr walsingham maybe cried mag with a burst of laughter no young fellow would be plagued with her i'm certain well ha ha you are a conjurer miss mag to be sure he's not young you're right there but then he's rich he is by jove there's no end of his well what do you say now to mr dangerfield dangerfield well after a little pause he's ugly enough and old enough too for the matter of that but he's as rich as a pork pie and if he's worth half of what they say you may take my word for it when he goes to church it won't be to marry the steeple and she laughed again scornfully and added twas plain enough from the first the whole family laid themselves out to catch the old quiz and his money let the chatsworths alone for scheming with all their grand airs much i mind them why the old sinner was not an hour in the town when he was asked over the way to belmont and miss dressed out like a puppet to simper and flatter the rich old land agent and butter him up my lord castle mallard's bailiff if you please ha 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 and the duchess of belmont that bally rags every one round her like a tipsy old soldier as civil as six my dear sir with her oh mr dangerfield this and her dear mr dangerfield that and all to marry that long sly huzzy to a creature old enough to be her grandfather though she's no chicken neither fah filthy and miss magnolia went through an elegant pantomime of spitting over her shoulder into the grate tool thought there was but one old fellow of his acquaintance who might be creditably married by a girl young enough to be his granddaughter and that was honest arthur slow and he was going to insinuate a joke of the sort but perceiving that his sly preparatory glance was not pleasantly responded to and that the stalworth nymph was quite in earnest he went off to another topic the fact is that tool knew something of miss mag's plans as he did of most of the neighbors beside old slow was in certain preponderating respects much to be preferred to the stalworth fireworker mr lieutenant o'flaherty and the two gentlemen were upon her list two strings to a bow is a time-honored provision cupid often goes so furnished if the first snap at the critical moment should we bowstring our precious throttles with the pieces far be it from us let us waste no time in looking foolish but pick up the gray goose shaft that lies so innocently at our feet among the daisies and its odds for the second plants eddy the clout the lover the hero of the piece 
upon whose requited passion and splendid settlements the curtain goes down is a role not always safely to be confided to the genius and discretion of a single performer take it that the captivating frederick belleville who is announced for the part is along with his other qualifications his gallantry his grace his ringlets his pathetic smile his lustrous eyes his plaintive tenor and five-and-twenty years a little bit of a rip rather frail in the particular of brandy and water and so not quite reliable will not the prudent manager provide a substitute respectably to fill the part in the sad event of one of those sudden indispositions to which belleville is but too liable it may be somewhat fat and scant of breath ay and scant of hair and of teeth too but though he has played romeo thirty years ago the paraquire and the dentist and the rouge pot and the friendly glare of the footlights will do wonders and podger's steady fellow will be always at the right wing at the right moment know every line of his author and contrive to give a very reasonable amount of satisfaction to all parties concerned following this precedent then that wise virgin miss magnolia and her sagacious mamma had allotted the role in question to arthur slow who was the better furnished for the part and on the whole the stronger cast but failing him lieutenant o'flaherty was quietly but unconsciously as the phrase is understudying that somewhat uncertain gentleman and the general's off to scarborough said toole old chatsworth i thought it was to bath oh no scarborough a touch of the old room and stomach i sent him there and he's away in the hillsborough packet for hollyhead this morning and colonel stafford's left in command and my lady becky belmont superseded laughed miss magnolia derisively and who do you think's going to make the grand tour from paris to naples if you please and from naples to rome and up to venice and home through germany and deuce knows where beside you'll not guess in the twelfth month said toole watching her with a chuckle Devereux, maybe guessed the young lady no tisn't said toole delighted try again well tis let me see some wild young rogue with a plenty of money i warrant if i could only think of him come don't keep me all day who the plague is he toole urged the young lady testily dan loftus answered toole ha 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 dan loftus the grand tour why where's the world running to oh 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 what a macaroni and they laughed heartily over it and called him travelled monkey and i know not what else why i thought dr walsingham designed him for his curate but what in the wide world brings dan loftus to foreign parts to dance and sing for the spanish king and to sing and dance for the queen of france hey dan's got a good place 
i can tell you travelling tutor to the hopeful young lord that is to be devereux's cousin by all the graces mum tis the blind leading the blind i don't know which of the two is craziest hey diddle diddle by jupiter such a pair the dish ran away with the spoon but dan's a good creature and we'll we'll miss him i like dan and he loves the rector i like him for that where there's gratitude and fidelity miss mag there's no lack of other virtues i warrant you and the good doctor has been a wonderful loving friend to poor dan and god bless him for it say i and amen and amen with all my heart said miss mag gaily tis an innocent creature poor dan though he'd be none the worse of a little more lace to his hat and a little less latin in his head but see here doctor here's my poor old goose of a mother and she kissed her cheek as sick as a cat in a tub and she whispered something in tool's wig and they both laughed uproariously i would not take five guineas and tell you what she says cried tool don't mind the old blackguard mother dear screamed magnolia dealing aesculapius a lusty slap on the back and the cook at that moment knocking at the door called off the young lady to the larder who cried over her shoulder as she lingered a moment at the door now send her something tool for my sake to do her poor heart good do you mind for faith and troth the dear old soul is sick and sad and i won't let that brute stirk though he does wear our uniform next or near her well tisn't for me to say eh and now she's gone just let me try and he took her pulse end of chapter twenty nine recording by john brandon